Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be arguing with God. Let's begin in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, beginning in the 21st verse, says, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, Neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father have sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. Now verse 26 in this chapter is very important. It says, Put me in remembrance, let us plead together, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. The phrase let us plead together is very interesting because this isn't Isaiah speaking, this is God speaking. Plead as a verb is defined as to discuss, defend an attempt to maintain by arguments or reasons offered to the tribunal or person who has the power of determining as to plead a cause before a court or a jury. The word for plead in the Hebrew is naishafeda, which means to judge or govern. The concordance goes on to say that it means to avenge, condemn, defend, execute judgment, plead, reason, or rule. This is the only time in scripture that this particular word is translated as plead. Verse 26 in the NSAB version says, Put me in remembrance. Let us argue our case together. State your cause that you may be proved right. Looking at different versions of the Bible gives us a deeper insight into this verse. The NLT says, Let us review the situation together, and you can present your case to prove your innocence. The NKJV says, Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case, that you may be acquitted. The NCV says, But you should remind me, let's meet and decide what is right. Tell what you have done, and show that you are right. And the HSCB says, Take me to court, let us argue our case together. State your case, so that you may be vindicated. These different versions reveal to us in a deeper sense, the character of God, who He is as our God. We find the concept of arguing with God and reasoning with Him. This is part of our walk of faith, but this isn't talked about enough. 
In many churches, Christians are taught how to speak to God, but they're rarely taught how to argue with Him. We can't ignore the concept of arguing with God. We have to understand it, because at some point it's going to come up, and we're going to need to know how to go about it in the right way. We must remember that we're friends of God. True friends argue at some point during their relationship. It's impossible to avoid. The same is true of our relationship with God. At some points, we will have arguments throughout our relationship. We shouldn't ignore these arguments and try to sweep them under the rug. We need to handle them rightly and find a solution. If we never argue with anyone, it means that we've never stated our opinion or made our voices heard. The reason that people try to avoid arguments so much is because they think it will tear friends apart. But if they're rightly handled, it does the exact opposite. It binds friends closer together because it forces friends to find common ground and work things out to find a solution. This gives friends a deeper experience and a closer bond than they would have otherwise had if the argument had never happened. We find this concept of pleading and arguing with God in Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 1, which says, Righteous are thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? The Hebrew word used here for plead is different from the word that we saw used in Isaiah 43 and 26. The word here is a reeve, which means to strive or to contend. The concordance goes further to say that it means adversary, chide, complain, contend, or debate. It comes from the root rube, which means to toss, grapple, to wrangle, to hold a controversy, to defend. The lexicon also tells us that this has to do with words and involves bodily struggle. This speaks to the intense effort that arguing requires. Many Christians say that it's wrong to argue with God because He is perfect and always knows what's best for us. And while this is true, God is perfect and He always works in our best interest, there will still be times when we will disagree with Him. After He makes His will and His plan clear to us, we may disagree with Him over it or we may disagree with Him over how He has chosen to execute His will. There will be many times like this throughout our lives. God is the ultimate judge and ruler. He's not afraid of, and he doesn't run from disagreements. In fact, he welcomes them. More than just our judge and our Lord, we must remember that he is our friend, and he is our father. We're his children. He wants to hear what we have to say. He wants to hear our opinion. He wants to know what we think is right. God never wants mindless submission from us. He desires obedience from us, but he wants our obedience to come from the heart. He wants us to be willing to obey. That's why he gives us a free will. Otherwise, we would be robotic in everything that we do. If we are to obey from the heart, it's necessary that we have trust in and have confidence in the righteousness of what God has commanded. Otherwise, we won't be able to fully put our heart into following. Relationships are always two-way by nature. And we wouldn't truly have a relationship with God if we weren't able to freely speak our mind and make our point of view known. This is why God allows us to disagree and to argue with Him. Since this is the case, we need to look at how we plead with God and how we handle our arguments with Him. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, beginning in the 20th verse, it says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now 
and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence, and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near, and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall like five of fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Abraham knew that the Lord had made clear his intentions to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but he cared about the cities. He didn't want them to be destroyed, especially because his nephew Lot was living in Sodom at the time. Instead of just giving in without saying anything, he decided to plead with God. Abraham started by appealing to God's characteristics of righteousness and justice. In verse 23, Abraham asked God, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous and the wicked? Then he did so again in verse 25, when he said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Then he went on to ask God to spare the city based on how many righteous people were there. He started at 50 and kept asking until he worked his way down to 10. When Abraham asked God to spare the city, if he found ten righteous people there, God agreed with him. In effect, they made a deal together. This reveals a lot to us about the character of God. It shows us that even though he is the creator, and he is above all, he is willing to work with his creation, which shows his goodness. Abraham was pleading with God, and also reasoning with him. He put forth his reasoning before God, and God listened to him and heard him out. We find that God is a reasonable God because each time that Abraham put a petition forth, God answered him and agreed with him. We find from this that God is willing to work with us and that he's not opposed to changing his mind. We find a number of verses in scripture that tell of God repenting. Repent means to have a change of mind. Genesis 6 and 6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. God said in 1 Samuel 15 and 11, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. These are just a few examples of this occurring. Although it isn't worded the same way, this is the same as what we find taking place with Abraham and God's conversation. God changed his plans from destroying the city outright, no matter what, 
to destroying it only if there weren't ten righteous people. This was a big change in plans. In chapter 19, we find that Sodom was destroyed. We also find that God spared Lot and his family, which he was always planning to do because he is perfectly just and won't allow the punishment of the wicked to be brought upon the righteous. Sodom was, however, still destroyed. So we must ask ourselves why. It wasn't that God didn't keep his word. The mistake was made by Abraham. He pleaded and argued with God in the right way and set a good example for us. But he didn't pray enough times. He only prayed six times instead of seven, which is God's number of perfection and completion. He quit too early. He should have kept going. If he had prayed just one more time and asked God to spare the city for one righteous person, God would have spared the entire city for the sake of Lot because he was righteous. But Abraham didn't persevere. The crucial element that he was lacking while pleading with God was persistence. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in the first verse, it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end. The men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. This parable shows the importance of persistence. The widow woman wanted justice and wouldn't give up until it was done. We have to be persistent when arguing with God. Once we have made our voices heard and stood our ground, we can't allow ourselves to give up. We have to persevere and push through until we find a solution and reach an answer. God doesn't respect giving up. He respects perseverance and persistence. A great example of persistence when it comes to arguing with the Lord is Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. Jacob wrestled all night until the morning, even after his thigh came out of joint. Genesis 32 and 26 says, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. He was persistent. He wouldn't let go. He held on until he got the blessing. He was fighting and arguing with God, and wouldn't stop until he got the answer. God respected his persistence, and that's why he blessed him. They reached an agreement, and they found the solution. One of the definitions of pleading that we saw earlier had to do with intense bodily struggle. And this is what we find with Jacob. He was struggling and physically wrestling with God. He got alone with God and put forth the time and the effort and the energy to settle what was bothering him. They handled what needed to be handled. And we need to do the same when we argue with God. We need to set up our time to get alone with God and then put forth the effort and the energy to plead with him. Then we must persist until the answer comes. We also find that Jacob had passion. When teaching anything in life, you can teach the fundamentals, you can teach the mechanics of how to do something, and you can even teach the right mindset to have while doing something. But you can never teach passion. It's not possible. Passion is inside. It's within you. And it manifests itself outwardly. God bursts it within your life. 
and he puts it within your spirit. Passion gives you the initiative to keep going, even when things get tough. It's passion that separates those who do good from those who do great. This is true of anything in life. When arguing with God, our passion over what we're arguing about gives us the initiative to persist until we get the answer. We have to utilize our passion. We should never allow ourselves to fall into the trap of constantly arguing with God over trivial things. This isn't good. Any relationship with constant arguing is unhealthy. We have to reserve our arguing with God for only the most important and serious matters, and our passion is a good indicator of what's worth arguing over. Jacob also shows us that there are some things worth holding on to in life. There are some things that we should never let go of. Whether it's our family, our future, our children and grandchildren, our country, or anything else that we hold dear in our lives, we need to be able to take a stand and make our position known and persist all the way through. Our decision to plead and persist can make all the difference. It was this that made the difference for the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7. Her daughter needed to be delivered of an unclean spirit, so she came to Jesus. Mark 7.27 says, But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. When Jesus said this, she could have become discouraged. She could have given up and left, but she didn't. She held on. She wouldn't let go, and she persisted until the answer came. Verse 28 says, And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Then once she took her stand in faith and pleaded with Jesus, Jesus healed her daughter. Her daughter's sanity was worth arguing over. She wouldn't let go of her daughter's freedom from the power of the devil. And that's why in the end, she got the victory. Let's go to Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus the 32nd chapter, beginning in the 7th verse, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou hast brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which are brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and then I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak, and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mounds, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he fought to do unto this people. This chapter is necessary to look at for our study. This chapter shows us two other elements needed to rightly argue with God. Moses accosted God. He got in his face, arguing. We see here the argument clearly. In verse 7, the Lord called Israel Moses' people and said that Moses brought them out of Egypt. Then in verse 11, Moses said that Israel was God's people 
and that God brought them out of Egypt. We can easily see the back and forth going on between them as they were arguing. The way that Moses conducted himself during this exchange is essential for us to understand when we argue. The first element that Moses showcased is reverence. It's absolutely necessary that we reverence and respect God at all times, even while arguing, no matter how angry we may feel. We know that God will not be mocked. Just because we have the right to argue with God doesn't mean that we have the right to disrespect Him. He will always be Lord and judge and final authority over all, and we must treat Him as such. Even though they were arguing and angry with each other, Moses still reverenced and respected God. Verse 11 says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Moses addressed God as Lord, and he mentions the Lord's great power and mighty hand, which shows that he understands God has the final say and is the final authority. He's recognizing his power and strength. We need to do the same when we plead with God. The second element is boldness. Moses was bold. Timidity will get us nowhere. We need boldness if we are to be victorious. In verse 12, Moses said to God, Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. This is one of the boldest phrases in scripture. God respected his boldness. The key with boldness when it comes to talking to God in any capacity is that it must always be paired with reverence. We need both. We can't allow ourselves to be afraid to say what needs to be said, and we also need to be reverential while doing it. Moses appealed to God with boldness and reverence. He asked questions and used logic and hypothetical situations to plead his case. They were reasoning together, and we find that after they discussed the matter, the Lord chose Moses' side. Verse 14 said, And the Lord repented of the evil which he fought to do unto his people. The Lord planned to execute his anger on Israel, but after he and Moses reasoned together, he chose not to. Earlier in Luke chapter 18, we read verse 7, which says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though we bear along with them? We are the elect of God. We are his special, peculiar people, chosen before the foundation of the world. When we are persistent in arguing and pleading our cause, God will listen, and he will avenge us. We need to claim this promise for ourselves. The word bear is very important. It's the Greek word makrofumeo, which means to persevere and to be patient, to be long-suffering, to patiently endure. The concordance goes on to say it means long-tempered, to defer anger, refusing to retaliate with anger because of human reasoning. It also means showing divinely directed patience, long-suffering, because it only expresses anger as the Lord directs. This is what we found when Moses and the Lord argued. The Lord refused to retaliate with anger because of human reasoning. Today, we need to understand that God wants to hear our opinion. He cares about what we think and what we have to say. He gave us a free will so we can disagree and come to him with our complaints and with our arguments. He has promised to listen to us and to truly consider what we have to say. The answer may be no sometimes, but we can't let the fear of hearing no keep us back from saying what we need to say. 
Wherever you disagree with things going on in the world today, or at home, or work, or school, or about anything else in life, set apart some time, get alone with God, and plead your case with Him. If we do so with reverence and boldness and persistence, we will be amazed at the difference that it can make. That's why the Lord says in Isaiah 43 and 26, Put me in remembrance, let us plead together, declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. Let us close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you care about our opinion, and that you care about what we care about and what we have to say. Lord, we thank you that even though you are the judge above all and that your word is final, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to reason with you and to give you our side of the story and to tell you what we think is right. Lord, you are a good God. You are a gracious God. Only a God like you would allow such a thing. And Lord, we thank you that you have done so. And Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom when we come before you to disagree and to give you our opinion that we can do so in the right way, in a way that honors you and gives you glory, even in the midst of it. And Lord, we thank you that you are such a great God and that you have such great plans for your people. And Lord, we know that your will is always in our best interest, always for our good. And Lord, we submit ourselves completely to your will. If you say the answer is no, Lord, we accept it. And we make the Commitment to always go forward in faith, no matter what the answer may be. And Lord, above all, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to plead with God and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask him for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.